Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe, just maybe, the Wisdom of Podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most interesting and invigorating and inspiring. Whether they come from the works of Plato or Dostoevsky or Picasso, here we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And uh, don't be afraid of the leaping sparks, as you can be certain of one thing. They will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the wisdom of, coming up today, the pros and cons of nostalgia. I really don't know if anything I'm about to talk about took place in winter, but it does feel like a winter kind of a dead cold thing to say. So let's just go with it. So in the winter of 1882, good old uh, Freddie Nietzsche, he ratted us all out to the cops. He dropped a dime. God was dead and he snitched on the entire world. He said we had all done it. It was rough. Deicide has got to be like a top level crime, no? Luckily, they never ended up finding the body, so we all skated on that charge. But like those arch criminals that get away with with the big crime once, they can't help themselves. They think they can just keep on going and keep on getting away with it. And this time it's not all of us, but somebody, somebody is at it again. There, there has been another murder of an abstract concept. And before you all start guessing, no, it, it was not uh, common decency uh, taking a shiv in the uh, prison showers or, or even critical thinking dying in a hail of bullets. No, this time it was nostalgia. And the killer? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, I may be jumping the gun here. It hasn't really hit the news, possibly because I was one of maybe 14 or 15 people to witness the horrifying death of nostalgia. But when I saw the movie, it sure looked dead to me. Digitally de-aged Indy, he uh, suffers through uh, crippling loneliness while stumbling and bumbling through a quote-unquote adventure. Now, I'm sure, hopefully, astute listeners are aware of this. I am not against uh, pathos, 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 because like right now, I am... I'm nine-tenths the way through a, a Decalogue rewatch, 
And if anyone's familiar with it, all I'll say is that when a failed suicide attempt is your your version of the happiest of endings, you know it's uh, dour stuff. But it's great. It's an achievement in cinema, or I think it was a TV show in Poland, but that's neither here nor there. Whatever was in Decalogue, I do not need it from Action Man. These are, are fun stories, but, but the skeletons of these stories, they're made of uh, packing peanuts. They cannot support this so-called depth that they try to graft onto it. But like I said, I may have jumped the gun. I don't know if nostalgia is dead, dead, but it's got to be on life support. Question is, I guess, is it worth saving? Should we take it out back and put it out of its misery? Uh, what say you? Yeah, Dial of Destiny. So sad. Was, uh, was really looking forward to that one, too. That is, uh, so long as I first deleted the second half of the last Indiana Jones from my mind. But, uh, but that said, I don't think we should be too quick to take nostalgia out back and put it out of its misery. There are some things about it worth considering. At least, uh, a little bit. But, you know, before all this, maybe we should, first of all, try to say something about what the heck this phenomenon of nostalgia actually is. This phenomenon that's often a deep part of our uh, psychic life. Well, okay, so maybe a good place to start here, as it usually is, is with the etymology of the word. So, nostalgia is made up of, uh, of two Greek words. The first one is nostos. And the second one is, is algos. Now, nostos means something like to, to return home. And algos, well, that means pain or suffering. So, nostalgia then is the, is the suffering or the sadness connected with the desire for home. What it is, in effect, is homesickness. Actually, you know, it's really interesting. Nostalgia, in its actual first usage, was originally referred to as a, as a medical condition. It was coined in the 1600s to refer to the, to the radical homelessness mercenaries from Switzerland experienced, where it was associated with, uh, with really super bad symptoms like, uh, like depression and insomnia. Anyway, so, so that's the general idea. But now let's get a little bit more comprehensive. So, nostalgia, being a kind of homesickness, is obviously backwards-looking. That's to say, it looks to the past. It looks to, uh, to repossess the past. But, here's the thing. This past, it might be something that's, uh, that's actually historical, but it doesn't have to be. So, what I mean is that this backward-looking that is nostalgia might point to a real place in the past, like, um, like, I don't know, say the attic that you hid in when you were a kid or, or the, uh, the Indiana Jones movie you saw in the theater. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a place or a time that's grounded in reality like this. For instance, we might feel nostalgia for some lost, mythical, or primordial paradise. Like, uh, like say, the Garden of Eden. And um, if you don't know, the historian of religion... Mercia Iliadi, has quite a bit to say on this particular form of nostalgia. What he argues is that, 
overwhelmed as we sometimes are by our meaningless and profane modern secular existence, what we often have nostalgia for is the state of paradise that we used to live in. That's to say, in our archaic past, a state where we were in communion with the gods and in, um, in mystical solidarity with the animals and with nature. Anyway, actually, no, now that I think about it, there is another type of nostalgia as well. This one's not necessarily the, the nostalgia for some specific place or for some uh, mythical paradise. But it's for something, well, let's call it, it's for something more subjective. So, for example, it might be about a time in our past when, when we felt most uh, confident or protected. Something like that. You get the idea. Okay, well, now that we've uh, defined or characterized it a bit, let's explore how it is nostalgia might serve us. What do we get from it? Is it helpful? And if so, how exactly? Well, there's no doubt, of course, that nostalgia can often trigger sadness and, uh, and a sense of loss. But I think it can also be a positive and a, and a beneficial experience. I mean, first of all, I would say that nostalgia is a way for us to, uh, to recapture some control over our lives in times of uncertainty. It can serve as an escape from, from our current reality, especially if it's unstable. Through nostalgic remembering, we move back through time to a place, to a sanctuary of security and meaning in the middle of the tempest that is our real life. Now, that's a reassuring feeling, right? That feeling of being grounded again and recapturing some meaning and stability. Okay, but it's not just about retrieving meaning. It's also about recapturing who it is we are. In other words, nostalgia serves as a way of recovering and maintaining our identity. Nostalgia finds us when we've become unmoored from ourselves. And uh, sometimes even finding or being presented with an object from our past is enough to do this. It reawakens us to our past and reminds us of the person that we used to be, and maybe still are, deep down. It recalls us to that child in us that wants to breathe and live again. I mean, um, after all, memories are, are pretty much geographic in nature with the two dimensions of time and space. And so, they provide the basis of who it is we are or were. What I mean is that, apart from the, uh, the universal human nature that defines us, we are who we are because we were born and lived at a particular period of time and at a very precise place on earth. That is, in essence, the genesis of our identity. So, without our memories of, of these particular times and places, we pretty much lose our identity and our life transforms into a black hole without any meaning. Actually, all this is why nostalgia is often linked to being in a state of exile, as the, uh, the etymology of the word suggests. It's not only because we've been exiled from something or from some place that we yearn to go home to, 
but it's because we've been exiled from ourselves, from that person that we'd like to be in touch with again. You know, speaking of all this, I mentioned that uh, sometimes being presented with an object from our past is enough to generate nostalgia. And uh, I can't think of a more famous example of this than what we get in the French novelist Marcel Proust in his novel Swan's Way. There, what happens is that when Proust's narrator, Marcel, eats the crumbs of a, of a Madeleine cookie dipped in lime blossom tea, it triggers a process of remembering which brings much of his past to life again. As soon as he tastes it, this is what he says. He says, No sooner had the warm liquid mixed with the crumbs touched my palate than a shudder ran through me and I stopped, intent upon the extraordinary thing that was happening to me. What happens to him is that he realizes this particular tasting experience brings to the surface of his consciousness long-buried memories. That's to say, all of a sudden he remembers all sorts of details from his childhood including, of course, his aunt soaking her madeleines in tea. Actually, you know, it's interesting. It's well established today in several studies that that taste and smell in particular activate the most powerful autobiographical memories. And um, the phenomenon is even labeled after the French writer. It's called the Proust effect. Anyway, okay, well, I've tried so far to mention some of the, uh, the positive effects of nostalgia. But of course, that's not the whole story about it. I would say that it also does have some, some potential disadvantages. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is that it's always possible to, uh, to overindulge in nostalgia, right? And to overindulge in such a way that, that it takes away from the present moment. From, from one's life as it is right now. That's to say, when we over-glorify some moment in our past, we take away from extracting what we can from the present. In other words, the difference between beneficial and negative nostalgia is the difference between incorporating the positive emotions of remembering something into the present versus sacrificing the present for the sake of constantly reliving some moment in the past. Actually, you know what? This reminds me a bit of what, uh, what Nietzsche says about historical thinking. You see, Nietzsche thought that society of his time was suffering from the, uh, the malady of history, as he called it, which was something like the, the excessive concern of history and past cultures. He thought that all of these ideas from the past, which have no real connection to people's needs, took precedence over their own present moment instincts. In other words, he thought that our historical consciousness had repressed our psychic and instinctual life and blocked us from sensations and emotions. Because we're always stuck in the past, it's inhibited our passion and destroyed our capacity for, for creativity and action. Our historical awareness preserves life, yes, but it doesn't engender it. Maybe another way of saying this is that for him, for Nietzsche, it's impossible to fully live 
without forgetting. So what Nietzsche was basically warning us about was of the danger of history imposing itself on the present, and so debilitating us. And you know, you know what? Nietzsche aside, maybe at the end of the day, we can't actually go back, at least not fully. Maybe the moment we're so nostalgic about is there only in our imagination. Maybe it's a a mirage or a wish fulfillment. And even if we, to some extent, can recapture it, we certainly can't relive it now. As a Proust eventually concluded, real paradise is a paradise lost. So maybe if the past is always slightly fabricated and not ultimately relivable, it's best to live where there's a little more fidelity and veracity to things and where living is never a dim copy of the past. Maybe it's best to live in the present. Listening to the Wisdom of Podcast. If you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general, visit wisdomofpod.com. Mm-hmm.